1: Many of us are pointed to a path in which they think we should go. Parents, teachers in schools, mentors, people we look up to, they all point away, this is the way you should go. Not Jesus. He doesn't say that. Jesus says, I am the way. There's a big difference in the statement here. I am the way. What is he saying? The way to where? To where he was going. Where was he going? Back to the Father. Jesus is saying, I am the way to the Father.
0: When sin entered the world, there were many sad consequences, but the one major catastrophic problem that resulted was that we became forever separated from the Father. Evil entered the world, but God already had an answer for the problem. And today, Pastor Dave looks at what Jesus says is the way to the Father. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he begins his message, The Most Radical Claim.
1: You are a sure- We've come to a point in the Gospel of John that is just amazing at what we have before us and what we're allowed to read and discuss. So if you have your Bibles with you, open to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're specifically looking at three verses, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 just to get us all caught up. Gospel of John, wow. It's been an exciting time going through the Gospel of John. And I'm going to read these first six verses, if you would please follow along silently. Gospel of John 14, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. except through me. It's been called the most pervasive, fundamental, dangerous conviction of our contemporary American society. Would anybody like to take a guess? It's been called the most pervasive, fundamental, and dangerous conviction of our American society. What is it? It is the mindset that says all roads lead to God. And I'm sure you've heard this. We all serve the same God, right? I mean, after all, aren't we all children of God? What's wrong is that if you say that there is only one way to God and all other ways are wrong, then you are looked at as narrow-minded. You are looked at as bigoted, and you are looked at as prejudicial. I mean, look at the landscape of religious America today. Look at it. It's nothing less than bewildering. You have different religious groups. You have cults. You have various movements. You have philosophies. You have worldviews abounding in incredible numbers. Why? Why are these things happening? Well, I thought about this question And I came to the conclusion that these things are happening today because the thought for today is what's true for you is true for you. And what's true for me is true for me. In other words, there are no absolutes. That's the thought that is pervasive in today's society. And you know, as well as I, this is so far from the truth, so far from the truth. Throughout our study of the Gospel of John, we have read where Jesus has made some radical claims about himself. He claimed to be sent from the Father. He claimed to be the bread of life. He claimed to be the living water. He claimed to be the light of the world. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. He said all these things pointing to himself as the Messiah the one who was sent by God for the salvation of Israel and the salvation of the world. But in today's verses, in today's verses, Jesus makes what I consider the most radical claim of all. Now to understand this claim, we need to take a step back and look at the context in which it is said. Jesus is now spending his last night with his disciples. They've had a beautiful supper. Jesus has washed their feet and showed them true humility, the humility of a servant. He's identified as betrayer. Judas has left. He's had this conversation with Peter. And he's telling them all along that he's going to leave them. It's only hours from the crucifixion. Mere hours away is the crucifixion. And he told them that I'm leaving and where I'm going, you can't come, but I'm leaving. And the disciples were heartbroken. They were upset. They were crushed to the bone. Remember, they had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had given up their families, they had given up their livelihood, they have given up their security, they have given up everything to follow Jesus Christ for three years now. They have been nothing more than committed to him as his disciples. They went everywhere with him. And all of a sudden he says, Hey guys, I'm leaving. And guess what? You can't come. This was devastating to him. It was devastating to them to think that he was actually leaving. And they're troubled and they're confused and they express that. He sees their faces. He sees the scaredness on their faces. He sees the forlornness and probably some tears. And they're probably going, what? What are you saying? And then he looks at them and he comforts them with the beautiful and wonderful and powerful words that we've studied last week in verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You only believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he goes on to start talking about heaven. In my father's house, many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And guess what, guys? I'm going there, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And guess what? Even better. If I go, I'm coming back because I want you with me. And I'm going to come back and receive you and take you with me. And we're going to be together forever. The disciples didn't hear that. What did the disciples hear? Hey, guys, I'm out of here. (laughs) That's all they heard. All so they heard, "I'm leaving." That's all they could hear. They were stunned. So, as we pick up in verse four, the conversation continues. Jesus is looking at their faces, and he says, "And where I go, you know, and the way, you know." Did they look at each other and go, "What? What's he talking about?" Did one of them try to push Peter and go, "Ask him." After what Peter had just been through, he probably went. So Thomas says, I'll ask Thomas step forward. I love Thomas. I really do. There's not one of them I don't love, but you know, some of these guys are pretty cool. So Thomas, the skeptic, the doubter, you know, doubting Thomas, he blurts out something that everybody else was thinking. Look what he says in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? I love this. The confusion, just in this response, Lord, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? The other disciples and Thomas were confused. They didn't understand. They were bewildered. Jesus' statement made no sense to them. They were fearful of what was lying ahead of them. They don't understand where he is going, and they don't understand why he's going, and they don't know the way he's going. So they're really confused. But, you know, you got to love something about Thomas. I love his honesty. And this becomes hauntingly attractive, if you will. His honesty is hauntingly attractive. Thomas is open. He blurts out what he's thinking, just like a child. He blurts out what he's thinking. He blurts out when he's thinking it. He doesn't matter. He just comes out with it. Lord, where are you going? We don't know. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Have you ever talked to anybody and they continually talk and you don't know what they're saying? But you agree with them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they continue to talk and talk and talk. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And you walk away going, what in the heck did they say? That's not Thomas. That is not Thomas. Thomas says, I don't know what you're saying. Please explain it to me. I don't understand. I love that about Thomas. He comes right at you. I really like that. He doesn't pretend. Lord, we don't know where you're going. What he's really saying says, Lord, if we knew where you were going, we don't know the way. How could we get there? Come on. Thomas is true. Maybe maybe you're here today. Maybe you've come to a point in your life where you can't find your way. Maybe you don't know where you're going. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you're bewildered. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're full of anxiety. You might even be frustrated about a certain problem or a certain person. Maybe you don't know the way. You've been seeking, but you can't find it. Or perhaps, sadly, maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you've lost your way, and you can't seem to find your way back. I have great news for you. I have some wonderful, beautiful, beautiful news for you. Because at this point, Jesus utters the first of these amazing critical claims, radical claims, about who he is. And in verse 6a, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way. The interesting thing about this is that any Jewish person would understand the word the way. They would understand that. Why do I say that? Because it was part of their vocabulary. It was part of their belief. Look through the Psalms. Look through the Psalms. Psalm 18. The way of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 25. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Psalm 27, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the straight path. So they understand God's way. There were hundreds of references in the Old Testament about the way to God or the way of God. And the Jewish person knew and believed that God had a way and a path where they could walk in life. The disciples knew this growing up in the Hebrew faith. And even in this time of great confusion, they still believe in God. But Thomas vocalizes what everybody was thinking, what everybody was wondering. Lord, where are you going? How can we know? Very clearly, very distinctly, Jesus says, I am the way. Notice, he didn't point to a path. He didn't say, that's the way to go. Many of us are pointed to a path in which they think we should go. Parents, parents. Teachers in schools, mentors, people we look up to, they all point away. This is the way you should go. Not Jesus. He doesn't say that. Jesus says, I am the way. There's a big difference in the statement here. I am the way. What is he saying? The way to where? To where he was going. Where was he going? Back to the Father. Jesus is saying, I am the way to the Father, I'm the way to heaven. And this completely blows out of the water that idea that all roads lead to God. Right away. There is no accuracy in that statement whatsoever. There is only one true living God. And Jesus is the way to the one true living God. You know, when he was warning the disciples, warning them about false prophets, that there would be wolves coming in sheep clothing, he clearly said that straight is the gate, straight is the way to the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. Many of us have tried to find our own way. Frank Sinatra made a fortune about telling you he did it his way. Many of us have tried it. Solomon warned us in Proverbs 16, there's a way that seems right to a man but the way leads to death. The way it leads to death. Many of us have experienced this death. Many of us. You might say, Dave, that's way too narrow. I don't believe that. I believe there are many ways to God. Now, in this world that we live in, there are many ways to various gods, small g. There are many, many ways, but there is only one way to the true and living God. You know, let's face it. You probably haven't realized this, but life can be pretty confusing at times. Life can be pretty bewildering at times. Life can be anxiety-producing at times. And like the disciples, you want to know the way to go, and Jesus is saying, I am the way. What's he doing here? He's inviting his disciples, he's inviting you, he's inviting me to come out of the dark place, to come out of the dark place into his marvelous light, to come to a place where he is, I am the way. He says, in these uncertain times, in these uncertain times, come out of those dark places, come to me. I am the way. He's making it quite clear. There should be no doubt in our mind of the way. Jesus is the way. He's the key. He's the door. He's the straight path. Come on. Now, men, we don't ask for directions. I even fight with my GPS. We don't ask for directions. But if you're driving down the road and you see a bridge and there's a great big sign that says, Bridge. Wouldn't you think that the bridge was there and you wouldn't go the other way to find the bridge? I mean, come on. There is no way to heaven but through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the way. That is the way. No other way. But Jesus isn't finished with that statement. He's just beginning. He's like, he's just warming up. And next he hits him with, I am the truth. He says, I am the way, and he says, I am the truth. Now, in a few years, we're going to get to chapter 18. (laughs) And Jesus is going to stand before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate's going to say, are you a king? And Jesus will say these words, you said it, I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world that I might bear witness of the truth. And then Pilate looks right into the eyes of Jesus Christ. He looks right into the eyes of truth standing before him. And he says, what is truth? Why did he say that? It's the question of the ages. It's the question of all ages. Men have been seeking the answer to that question for all eternity. What is truth? Philosophers fight over it constantly. But what's interesting is that even when men have rejected the real truth, they continue to search for the truth, even though they now confess that truth doesn't exist. But they continue to search for it. They continue to search for truth. Because in their worldly wisdom, they haven't found truth. It's wrong to conclude that truth does not exist. It's better to announce their ignorance. But see, the word philosophy comes from the two Greek words, which means love of wisdom. What are we talking about here? Pride. They won't confess their ignorance. When by intellect man seeks to discover God, he always comes up with a profession of ignorance or a confession of ignorance and becomes agnostic. What does that mean? Without knowledge. It means without knowledge of God. You're agnostic. See, God reveals himself and a little child is better to guide you to the truth and understanding of God than people with all these great letters behind their name who are searching for the truth, who are looking for the truth. Why? Because the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born of the Spirit. To see spiritual things, you must be born of the Spirit. Not born of the flesh, born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, you can discern spiritual things. You know what the Spirit is speaking about. Man, through his intellect, has searched for the truth and has not discovered it. Jesus clearly says, I am the truth. I am the truth. Jesus often spoke about truth. Remember what he said to the woman at the well? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. He told the disciples that if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you. Jesus taught truth. Jesus lived the truth, and now he says, I am the truth. I don't really believe that we can grasp this radical statement. I really think it's difficult For our finite brains to grasp this radical statement of what Jesus is saying here. Think about this. This is what Jesus is saying. People long to know the truth. The truth is not some abstract thing that we can't gain. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's not abstract. Jesus says, I'm the truth. Search no longer, friends. Search no longer. We are no longer in the dark. Jesus has revealed the truth to us. The beauty and the wonder of this truth is that it isn't an abstract concept. It's not inaccessible, and it's not gained through some esoteric philosophy. It's gained simply by believing in who Jesus Christ is, accepting his sacrifice on the cross. Truth is a person. Jesus has revealed God to us. Granted, he's infinite. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. But God is a person, which means we as humans, made in the image of God, can know him. We can know God. Jesus revealed this to us profoundly when he said, I am the truth. When a truth seekers encounters this, your life changes. Your life completely changes. Jesus is not just the truth for those who believe. Jesus is the truth. Period. Exactly. Jesus wasn't finished there. He wasn't finished there. You know the next one. He says, I am the life. You know, this is actually the second time that Jesus claimed to be the life. Remember, in Lazarus' resurrection, he told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Here he was speaking of eternal life. And the Bible speaks of the spiritual life that we have. And that's what he's referring to here. A person can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. Because they don't have Jesus in their heart. They haven't accepted his sacrifice. But Jesus is speaking about spiritual life. Jesus speaks to those who have heard his word and believed on him that have been sent as having passed from death to life. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you go from death to life. He said this in John He that believes on the Son has life, and he that believes not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Jesus was claiming that all who believed in him would be raised up after death and give eternal life. But eternal life doesn't begin after our physical death. When does eternal life begin? The day you're saved, on the day of your salvation, eternal life begins. On the day of your salvation, John 17, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that you know the one true God and me, the Christ whom he sent. Eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus. Eternal life begins the moment we believe. We can know the risen Christ personally, right now, today. Life is good, but knowing Jesus is so far better. So much greater. You are sure.
0: The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek Him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow Him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening. You realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- Eight eight four five eight two one. 5821 You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.